Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Do you dream of being CEO of your own empire, running your own company, achieving your life's goals, yet wake up in a cold sweat next to last night's takeout leftovers and a pile of bus ticket stubs? You are not alone. Like many others, you are suffering from a classic case of caviar dreams, tuna fish budget. I'm Margaret Josephs. And I'm Lexi Barbuto. And every week, we'll be talking to influencers, trailblazers, disruptors, and risk takers who'll share their own journey to caviar dreams on a tuna fish budget. Side effects may include increased motivation, boundless happiness, and a fast track to success. Hi, Caviar Dreamers. Hello, Caviar Dreamers. Here we are. Another Wednesday. Another Wednesday. And we have an amazing guest today. Her name is Michelle Dempsey-Malta. And she is a divorce coach. Who even knew that was a thing? No, I always thought you have a divorce attorney or therapist, but she is actually a certified divorce coach. And what that is, is like, listen, if you're getting divorced, this applies to any relationship. She has the best advice. Practical advice. Practical advice. She handholds you through it. How to help co-parent better how not to answer toxic text messages, how to deal with it. So um, it's so interesting. And she's an amazing podcast. She wrote a book, Mom's Moving On. So I just, I just want you to know, this applies to every relationship. You don't have to be married to leave a toxic relationship. Mm-hmm. If you have a toxic partner, if you have a toxic boss, yeah. um, a toxic parent, yeah, toxic friendship, toxic parent, yes. how to deal with all different things. It, it's all applicable. So I'm just so excited. So let's get going. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Michelle. How are you? I'm good. We're so excited. We're here with Michelle Dempsey-Multak. She wrote an amazing book, Mom's Moving On. She's a divorce coach. Yeah, and something that a lot of people need, how to get out of toxic relationships, toxic co-parenting, which can also apply to like so many things, like toxic workplace relationships, friendships. Yeah. And we're so glad to have you here, Michelle. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Thank you, ladies. This is a pleasure. Yes, because the truth is, it's not just about divorce. It applies to so many relationships. So that's why we were so excited to have you. But my most important question is, what made you want to do this? Like, what, what, I mean, I didn't even know this was a specialty. You only think that people go to like a regular therapist for divorce or like a divorce yeah. attorney. So yeah. tell me how you got into this. Well, I got into this basically out of a need because when I got divorced, I was 33. My daughter had just turned two. And I was looking for literature that could apply to me, but it seemed like everything out there was either really prescriptive and full of legal jargon that I couldn't understand or really dedicated to the empty nester who was a, you know, a, um, 
what they call in the gray divorce years, over 50, learning to live her life again. And so I just felt like I was alone on divorce island. My friends were still pregnant, like loving their husbands, going on date nights. And here I was alone at 33 with a two-year-old. So I thought like, if, if there's nothing there for me, I have to create it because there are certainly other women in my position. So I was already writing for a lot of um, like mommy blogs and mommy publications and scary mommy and, and parents both were really welcoming about the shift in my content to start talking about single motherhood and co-parenting. And then I saw there was a huge response and I would get these questions like by the boatload that I didn't know how to answer. So that's why I started my podcast. And I brought on experts to answer the questions I didn't know how to answer. And then these same people were like, well, I want to work with you. Can you help me through my divorce? And I'm like, I don't know. Can I? Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a former educator. You know, I'm, I'm pretty smart, but I didn't know everything there was to know about the divorce process. So I became a certified divorce specialist through the National Association of Divorce Professionals. And then I started taking on clients. And then bam, the book happened. Simon & Schuster was like, hello. And I was like, who, me? Okay. <laughs> And then it, it kind of all like snowballed from there. It, it became a brand, which is crazy to me, but it just, again, it shows the need for women needing support. You know, we can't lean on our lawyers as our, as our therapists or, our, or for every little thing that comes up emotionally. We can't lean on our therapists for like a play-by-play -play of how to live our lives every day. We, they help us so much in other ways, but when you need that like on the minute, like advice and you don't know how to answer that text or whether to answer that text, that's where I come in. I think that's, that's so helpful and so smart because I think it just also, I think you're probably helpful before you even get married because I think there's just so many issues yeah. that, that people face in relationships. And I think especially getting divorced, people don't, you know, everyone's so judgmental, right? You don't know oh. what's going to happen till it happens to you. Well, one of my favorite things I think that you've said and we put it in your book was that, you know, you, it doesn't matter what you achieve in your life, you're always a cheater first. If you leave a marriage that was unhappy mm -hmm. and you're like, there's an adulterous situation or like, you know, you're always scorned for getting divorced. You know, why right. did you make it work? Why yeah, did it there's work? always, there's such a stigma around it, which I don't understand because everybody has the right to be happy. And well, I think, I think that stigma comes from the fear of nobody wanting to be in your shoes, right? Like, that's what it is. When we place a stigma around anything, or it's, it's based out of fear and what we wouldn't necessarily want for ourselves. People are threatened by women who choose to like wake up and take control of their lives or who realize this marriage isn't working. That guy might, you know, I mean, you know, you've been there. Like yes. it's, it's horrendous you know we're in this age of like empowerment and accept each other and women supporting women but the second you do something that threatens their safe little bubble or their ideal of what's what a life should be I mean it's guns blazing and I've tried to shift the narrative like you're allowed to want to get divorced sorry I watched my mom do it with no apologies whatsoever and I knew I could do the same just so important. Tell me, like, so someone decides, you know, to leave an unhealthy relationship, get divorced, because there's also people who live together. It's like you have to separate so many things. It's just like, you know, pets, kids, you know, everything else. And it's like, yeah. there's a lot of guilt surrounding. Yeah. Yeah, there's guilt. And then, you know, even if you choose to leave your marriage, I don't think people realize 
you know, they can villainize us, but we're still going through those stages of grief and anger and disappointment, everything that comes with such a big life change. Um, and so what I, what I initially help women do is realize that it's normal to glamorize something and, you know, in hindsight, like, oh, was it really that bad? And maybe it'll just be easier if I go back to him. I think so many of us go through that. I know I did. And so I help women really stay clear on the fact that like, they're in this place for a reason. You know, it's, it's really nice to miss the good times, but clearly the, the good times were outweighed by something else. So we get clear on that. And then one of the first things we have to do is set boundaries, physical boundaries, tactical boundaries, emotional boundaries to sort of keep the focus forward moving and not get sucked into the emotional part of it or, or start to look backwards. Thank you for articulating that because I couldn't get the words out exactly how I wanted them to. I was just, I was so like comfort, like saying, because there is so much emotion around it because I think I even, because I'm always like guilted, like, because I left my husband, I, you know, I did have an affair with Joe, but I kept, I knew I had to leave before that, but I always had the guilt and the emotion mm -hmm. I knew. And I, and I just didn't have the wherewithal to do it because there's so many things, there's kids involved. Can you say to people who are like, oh, I should stay for the kids? Uh, your kids don't need a married mom. They need a happy mom. And there is, I, had I, I, my parents got divorced when I was eight. My dad was horrific. He had women all over the place, was cheating on my mom, was never around. Had she stayed with him and I avoided the drama of being a child of divorce, what would that have taught me? Like to be mistreated? We would have perpetuated a cycle there that would have been so unhealthy. I probably would have stayed in a toxic relationship instead of realizing I had, I could leave and start a whole new life. And so I think what people don't realize is we live our lives for our kids, but we're not living our lives for our kids. We're still living our lives for us. And in doing that, we set the best examples. So I, I say it all the time. It always goes viral. Your kids don't need a married mom. They need a happy one because where else are they learning, you know, the, the important values of life? I think that's Listen, I, I mean, I'll just put it out that I'm going through the exact same thing right now. And the main narrative that I'm dealing with is that because it's my choice to be separated and work towards a divorce, which we started with a therapist whose goal, which I think is also something that people, people go to couples therapy. And I went in there with the goal of like, let's figure out how not to be a couple, but be a great family. Cause I have mm -hmm. too. So when the stepkids involved, then it gets really complicated. Mm -hmm. So, and the therapist's goal was to get us back together. He had a great success rate of helping couples work through things. And that wasn't on the table for me. So the, the burden of guilt lays with me. I'm always the one who wants to disrupt this family, despite the history of what anyone has done prior to that in the relationship. The decision is the thing that then becomes like, the problem and how do you, how do you you know help women keep strong in that situation well you're i was just having a conversation this morning with a client about this you're always going to be the villain in someone else's story right so it's really easy especially and i and men don't take this the wrong way it's not that you're not wonderful in certain ways but men are not always emotionally evolved enough to say okay it was me I didn't bring to the table what I needed to. So she has to go do what she needs to do to be happy. They're not going to say that. It's so much easier to say, look what your mom did. Look what she did. She left, you know, and, and every woman across the board who chooses to leave their marriage gets those same texts. You're, you're ruining these kids' lives and you're breaking up a family. And it's never the, from the perspective of, 
yeah, this is probably for the better for both of us. And I, it's so unfair. It's so unfair. And you kind of just like, I mean, another one I always say is just because someone says something doesn't make it true. Like you're clearly not ruining your children's lives or your stepchildren's lives. You're making yours better. And there's a big difference there. I, I agree yeah. with that. What do you say? Because I also think women particularly, um, you know, speaking from myself, we give up a lot because we have guilt that we're leaving. Yeah. yeah. And I did this myself. I um, set, I gave up a lot of things I shouldn't have given up because mm-hmm. I was successful. Um, so I didn't do the right things, you know, to protect myself. How do you navigate that? Do you coach women on that as well? Yeah. Well, uh, we all do that. Um, we think the more generous we are in the divorce process, um, the less guilt we'll have to carry. It's going to absolve us of something or they're going to be nicer to us because we're not taking the house. It's bullshit. That never happens. But I help them get clear. I help them get clear on the difference between guilt and shame because there's a very big difference. When you're guilty in the court of law because you committed a crime, it's very textbook, black and white. You're sentenced. You go to jail. You may not necessarily feel shame. When you feel ashamed of something, it's because you've gone against the grain. You've had to disrupt other people's lives to make yours better. But you wouldn't necessarily be held guilty in the court of law. Like there's, it's, it's two totally different things. So first, I help people get clear on, did you actually do something like horrendous? Are you, you, know, you going to be held in public square and stoned to death? No. You did something shameful by society standards. So let's, let's unpack that shame. And then I remind them that like, no matter how kind you are in the divorce process, it's not going to change how your ex sees you, treats you, chooses to co-parent or parallel parent with you. And that's, you know, you really have to look at yourself as your own vessel at that point, what you need to get through the rest of your life. I love that phrase of unpacking the shame. I think that the separation between shame and guilt is, that's a very blurred line. That shame is rooted in everybody else but our own core beliefs. That shame is rooted in what the lady at the, the beauty salon said, oh, such a shame you couldn't work it out. And what your mom said, like, well, what is it going to do to the kids and how your ex is treating you because you made this choice? That shame is not yours in your gut. So you have to like really break it down and realize it lives somewhere else. I know. I think so many people um, worry about public opinion. Mm -hmm. and worry about what everybody else is thinking. And that's so shameful. I have been accused on my show by Mm -hmm. a lot of my uh, castmates, one of them in particular, uh, you know, I'm very shameless about my situation about that I was cheating. Let's unpack that. Look where it's coming from. And anybody on TV can see that's a projection. Yeah, it's a, oh yes, it's a different, you know, I'm so shameless. I said, it's not that I'm shameless. I'm not you know, maybe I am shameless. I do have feelings about it. I, I wish it would have happened differently, but that's just the way it happened. And I, I married the man of my dreams and we were meant to be together. And I, I wish I could have been stronger and left before, I, you know, I met Joe, but I, I didn't have the strength and I absolutely, you know, wish it would have happened differently. But to call, you know, to call someone shameless, um, that's almost like an insult. And why do we feel bad about that? Because it's really not insulting. Correct. But let's look at where that comes from. It's no, it's not. It's a projection. And, you know, I could say that in my, after my divorce, I lost friends. Like that's what happens. And oh my God, can you believe? And they were only together three years. And all of that comes from a place of fear. It's, it's all a projection, but I'll say that 
the people who judged me the most and who separated their self the most quickly after my split, two, three years later were calling me because they were getting divorced too. Mm -hmm. So it's always the ones who have the strongest opinions that have something going on beneath the surface that they don't necessarily want you to know about or that they're hoping and praying won't come to fruition. It's true. I, I absolutely agree with that. And I think, tell me, Michelle, do you feel this way? I feel like people are like, oh my God, this could happen to me. People separate from you. It rocks their world. Because also you break up the couple friends, even people who are dating. Um, if you guys break up, then, oh my God, it disrupts everybody else's life. And that's mm -hmm. why they don't, you know, yeah. they're not going to socialize with you. Um, the dynamics have changed. They so feel guilty if you bring someone new into the circle. That's a whole other story. So how yeah. do you coach yeah. women through that? I wrote a lot about this in my new book because um, I experienced so much of that and it was so painful. I live in a very like small clicky community. So it was really hard for me. But I separated in my book, those people into the flockers and the fleers. There are people who are going to flee. Like the animals before a tsunami, they get like a signal and they're out because they don't want to go down with you. And then there are people who flock to you, sometimes for the wrong reasons. They want to distract themselves from their own lives. They want to immerse yourself in your drama. And I help um, women understand that the people who leave you when you, at, you are at your worst, first of all, there's something going on with them that they can't uh, present themselves to in the way that you would like them to. I help them adjust their expectations. Friends are great, but they are not the magic pill for getting over your divorce. That's an internal thing. And you are going to be a different person after your divorce. Not all the people you are aligned with now are going to like have a seat at that table with you. you. You inevitably are going to change. You're creating a new life for yourself. And I have seen it and I have lived it. And I'm sure you have too. Your world opens up to something new. And there are friends that will come into your life that you feel like, where have you been my whole life? You're amazing. They couldn't have been there before. They belong there now. So, you know, we really break it down based on how people have reacted or treated you and gain the understanding that like, if, if you know, it's lost, it wasn't meant to be. I think that's the, t the terrifying thing too that stops people from moving things along quicker is your life is going to be totally different. There is collateral damage across the board. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I mean, listen, so many women are like, I got to get out. I don't care at what cost. And they don't have time to think about the friends or what people are going to think because it's for their own safety and survival. There are more domestically abusive situations than people talk about. I hear about them every day. And then afterwards they're left with this, oh my God, I left to fucking save my life and people are still going to judge me. And then there are the people who are like, this marriage doesn't scratch that itch. And, you know, either way, people are going to judge. You have to do what you have to do for you. And, and kind of just, you know, I, for me, like I deal with stress probably in an unhealthy way, but I close out everybody. When people are trying to be there for me, I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I want to be alone in my bed watching Bravo and eating a bag of chips. Um, so I, I kind of like push that a little bit because it's in that alone time where you realize who you really want in your life. You know, I don't, I don't want the people around me who are just there for like, so tell me what happened and what did he do? And oh my God, what an asshole. That's not helpful either. No. And um, you have to get clear on that. Like not all friends are friends. It's true. Do you coach people for their next relationship? Do you try and tell them, like help them through the next, yeah. into the next healthy relationship? What they, 
because they could clearly see what they don't want. People could develop a pattern, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's amazing. Like so many women, you know, two, two and a half years ago who came to me completely just gutted and I never will move on and I'll never trust anybody again. Some of them have gotten remarried, invited me to their weddings. Like it's, it's beautiful. But where I help them is not necessarily how to thrive in this new relationship. We, we work on how to take it slow, how to look for red flags, how to make sure we're not replicating a pattern, how to integrate the children, how to tell your ex about the new relationship, because that's never easy, and how to take it from there. I mean, I'm not a relationship expert by any means, but I am very good with, I have a blended family and I had to do all this too. So how to, how to make it work so that the kids aren't pulled under by this new relationship. And, um, and so we, we really work on that. And, and then setting boundaries for yourself in, this, in the next marriage. Because I don't know about you, but I'm remarried and I can tell you like, I make a conscious effort to not repeat the patterns I had in my first marriage. Like I am far less needy. I was always very needy. Now I'm very much like, this is my time. Thank you. Goodbye. I love you. But like, I'm, I'm more in touch with my own needs and emotions now. And I put myself first before my husband. I, I love him dearly, but like self-preservation at this point, you know? Yeah, so absolutely. I think that's very important. And I like that you say that because again, people have guilt, but you were also so young when you got married the first time. And you, right? I, I wasn't young, but I was completely unhealed. I had a very traumatic childhood. Like my parents' divorce started when I was eight, didn't finish till after I graduated high school. It was the entirety of my adolescence. It was toxic. It was dangerous. I mean, it was, it was everything. And I was a, a initially abandoned by my father very early on. So I carried all of this stuff, daddy issues, which I hate that term because he was the one who had issues, but it all rubbed off on me. And so I entered my first marriage in complete denial of how toxic I was. Um, it didn't help the situation. So I wasn't young, but I was completely oblivious to the toxicity that I brought and how much I needed to work on myself in order to have a healthy marriage. Yes. I feel like I am different in this marriage for sure. I, I'm not as, I, I was very triggered by my ex-husband. Um, we had a very uh, combative relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, I was very young when I had met him. Uh, I was with him since I was 24 and I didn't leave, you know, we're together. I didn't really get divorced till I was 44, though I moved out when I was about 42. Um, and I feel like I was very, you know, if I was, I was madly in love with him when I was in a beautiful family. We had a great life, but it was a very combative relationship, very the bicker sense. Yeah, you and can it, be madly in love with somebody. Yeah, and I, I, I was that, uh, with Joe at all. I was talking about this yesterday. Yeah, you can love somebody from here to the moon, but that doesn't mean it's a healthy relationship for you. I loved my ex-husband dearly. I probably still do on some level, but that that didn't make it a good marriage. I agree with that. I, it's, I also say, um, do you think a lot of women um, turn their heads to bad relationships because of money? Because they are with yes. women and they tolerate I, a lot of nonsense. I do. And, uh, you know, you signed a prenup and you don't want to rock the boat. I see that a lot. Um, but the women who come to me, who work with me, they all sort of fit the same demographic. They're independently successful. They are CEOs, celebrities, for lack of a better term, high-powered women who are independent enough to stand on their own two feet. 
And that always amazes me because yes, their husbands are very wealthy or, you know, family money or whatever it is. And, and they don't care. They're going to go off and make it on their own anyway. Um, but I do think there are many women who say, you know what? I saw it in my mom's circle of friends. I've seen it in mine. I've got a good life. So what if he, you know, fucks around on the side? I'm at Bell Harbor buying whatever I want. It's fine. Again, what does that show the kids? I don't know, but it's not my place to judge. Some people just don't want to, you know, and I've heard from the men too, like men in, in my community, I should probably get divorced, but, you know, she'll take me for all I have. I didn't sign a prenup. So money is unfortunately not helpful in those situations. Yeah, money, I think, binds people together. And that, it, um, you know, I think people sacrifice their happiness because of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I do I think it a lot. Yeah, and that's a very bad lesson. Well, it's hard to be brave enough to make changes that you know are healthy for you if you have to start from scratch. You know, like it, it's tough. You have to, but you have to know you could do it. You have to know. But that's also when it comes to like role modeling, like to, to see a parent like go for it and do it by themselves and be motivated that's like more inspiring to me you know like I would never want to be the person that stayed just to like no just, just for the money no like, me either it's not a good role model for kids no it's not well also if if you're a woman in that situation you also have to take a if you're unhappily married but you're like oh there's money you have to educate yourself because you are entitled to something even if you did sign a prenup if you're married for a certain number of years, you're entitled to alimony, you're entitled to child support, you're entitled to maintain the lifestyle that you had. And um, I did a great episode on this, how to leave uh, my podcast, how to leave your marriage if you're a stay-at-home mom. And it was like one of my biggest podcasts of 2021. You are allowed while you're married to, you know, if you have commingled assets, you can take some out, start your own account. Like there are things you can do to ensure that you can leave and not be in the poorhouse, basically. Well, yeah, which is important. I think a lot of women don't realize that. Right. And it just I, takes asking questions and getting educated. I I think also there's when there's a narrative of like blame to the woman and, and there's a constant barrage of like, it's your fault why you're doing this, like the very bullying text messages. How do you help women like regain their confidence, keep their confidence, keep their spirits up and keep on that path. Like, you know, what, when the Lexi, why do I, why do I feel like you're dealing with this right now? And I want to tell you to like, <laughs> you gotta, first of all, if you have an Apple iPhone, there's a beautiful mute feature. You can mute the notifications, mute the messages. I did that for years. Um, only turned on notifications when my daughter was with her dad, because like, I started to realize every message that came in that I didn't want to read completely ruined my mood, my day, whatever situation I was in, my focus, and that happens to everybody. And so two things, you have to set the tactical boundary of not letting this person have constant access to your emotions. Where does that start with the cell phone? Mute that mofo, I always say, like mute it. You don't need to read it. If you're rushing to open the message and you're then engaging, that's on you. Like you can shut it down by not engaging. And the, the less you engage, the less they come in. The other thing you can do is if it gets really toxic, there are a whole slew of co-parenting apps out there where you can, you can put it in your divorce papers or you can have a judge set it in motion that you are only allowed to communicate through court-ordered 
co-parenting apps where all of the communication is mon can be monitored by the court if you're in like a situation where you're really being harassed. The texts cannot be manipulated or deleted. If you know you start to receive a barrage of harassing texts, you can you can call your lawyer and say, what do I do about this? And the judge can say, stop. So that doesn't necessarily mean they'll listen, but that's always an option. But I just say, you know, remember, unhealed people are going to throw their shit onto you. Men who feel scorned love to project. And just because someone says something doesn't make it true. The more you're going to buy into it, the less you're going to be able to move on. That's great advice. And that's great for any toxic relationship. Like anything. Like a a work relationship where someone is texting you all night, mm -hmm. you know, like mm -hmm. weekends when you with your family, crazy stuff like that. Like it's, but I think boundaries are the hard. I think it's harder for women to put boundaries in than men. We well, I'll tell you that when, we harbor women. Well, guilt is the wrong. What we harbor. Well, I don't know. Guilt because we're we, nurturers. We're nurturers. We're nurturers. We want to take care of everyone around us. But I'll tell you, for every woman I work with. As they start getting stronger and moving through the divorce process and setting those boundaries and acknowledging the toxicity, they start to see it in the other areas of their lives. Maybe a toxic relationship with your mother or that friend who's like a wet blanket or, you know, like you start to see it in other areas and you have less and less tolerance for it. It's a beautiful thing. It is. Now, let me just ask you some other kind of question. You get divorced, you're in a new relationship, you start dating someone. At what point do you introduce the children to your new significant other? So if your children are old enough where they understand what a significant other is, I always say to wait a bit. Wait until you know this person is going to be there for a long time. That's not to say that it's not important to see how this person is going to interact with your children. My daughter was two when I met my now husband and his daughter was already 10. So my mom was like, you better make sure he wants a little baby around before you get serious with this guy. So I introduced him early. She didn't know he could have been the mailman. I just wanted to see how he related to her. Yes. A lot of women with young children are nervous that like this new man won't want to deal with their babies or all the bullshit that comes with that. But Children feel really protective of their parents. And I can speak from experience when I met my dad's, one of his girlfriends, right when my parents got divorced, it was a threat. Like, oh my God, this woman's taking my place. And I was like, so nervous that she got more attention than me. And he, he hugged her more than he hugged me. Little girls feel that a lot. And, and it's very threatening to a child-parent relationship when there's a new person in the mix. So I say, whether it's two months or two years before you realize this person is gonna stick around forever, wait and then do it really slowly like here's mommy's friend we're gonna go to the park or we're gonna grab dinner and then you don't you know when when i met my husband's daughter i was so mindful because i had experienced that horrendous feeling of like being pushed aside for a new woman he would invite me everywhere with him and i would say no you know why don't you guys go have daddy daughter time i would wait till she like requested my presence and we did it real slow like it doesn't have to go from zero to 60. If you're trying to replicate that family unit, it's it's icky. Like it just is for everybody involved. Let it go slow. Let that person like prove their worthiness of being around your children too. Like this time with your kids when you're newly divorced and moving on in your life is really, really precious, especially if you're co-parenting and you have them now half the time, like was my situation. I wasn't like leaving my kid to be with Spencer. 
on the nights that I had her. I just wasn't because I was never going to get that time back. So don't jump into it thinking you're replicating this family relationship. The kids don't need that as much as they just need like your undevoted attention and that feeling of security. Um, going slow is always the best way, I think. Okay. I think that makes sense. That definitely makes sense. I think, yeah, I know. I mean, my, my son was older when I, when I had moved out and I did, I moved, you know, I moved right in with Joe. It's funny because he knew Joe and we were together for a while, but you know, mom was a, mom was a tour love affair and I did it a little crazy, but thank God. You had a different circumstance. You know, a lot of women don't start dating again until months or years later. I know. And (laughs) I think, yeah, I was a little nuts. No, but thank God, you know, we did a lot of therapy and we did a lot of, um, you know, but mine was a little backwards, but we moved a few blocks away. So thank everything worked out. I mean, but I was, I was very big into therapy and uh, Mm -hmm. I did my divorce after I moved out and moved in with Joe, but you know, thankfully it all worked out and we were older. A for therapy. Everybody needs therapy. Like everyone, everywhere. I, I was like, deprived of it as a kid. I don't know why anybody took me to therapy, Marge. Like nobody was like, you need help child. And so now I'm dealing with it all. And I can't stress enough the benefits of a good therapist. And if you can't afford one, there's always um, people who will work on a sliding scale, social worker in your community, a priest, a rabbi, speak to somebody. It's so helpful. It's true. A lot of therapists will work on a sliding scale. If they know you can't afford it, they, they do that. And that's very important. And actually through COVID too. I don't know if it's still going on, but there was a lot of, co- like therapy was covered a lot through like a lot of insurance companies added therapy, whether it was just a small copay through like the last two years because there was such need for it. So people should yeah. definitely call their insurance and, company. And now you don't even have to leave the house. There's a lot of telehealth yeah. therapists, which yes. is amazing. I see mine on, on, on the screen too, even though I'm in Miami and we never really had a shutdown. It's just, it's easier. Um, and don't buy into the idea that just because a therapist doesn't accept insurance that they're the best, like good, good therapists will still also accept insurance. Like there's this notion that the more expensive and exclusive they are, the better they are. That's not true. No, I, I absolutely agree. Now, do you ever have clients that are repeat offenders? Oh Yeah. oh yeah uh one right now that i'm a little worried about uh but listen you can lead a horse to water you cannot make them drink and that's why i stress either therapy if you get right into a relationship like you and i did marge or you you take your time therapy will help you see if you're repeating these patterns or um working with a coach and actually listening to them. But it's, you, you, can't, you can't force somebody out of their patterns. You just can't. It's, I, it I agree with that. Within. It has to come from within. And mm-hmm. it, how do you, what do you say to people like myself, if I see my friends or if you see your friends and, and they're in these unhealthy relationships and you, and you try and say something and, and you know, people don't want to hear it. People don't want to hear it. I have a big mouth, unfortunately. I do too. I I do too. Okay. So recently I had an issue with a friend where I just did not like the way she was being treated. So I I called my best friend. I called her sister. I'm like, what are we going to do about this? Because I cannot sit back and like blindly watch this happen. And, um, you know, it's, it's tough love. Sometimes you got to like take your friend out for a drink and be like, what are you doing? Um, knowing that you might risk losing their friendship, but also might give them 
you know, the eyes to see that they could move on and have a much better life. I, I, ag I agree with that. I think that people don't want to be self-reflective or look within or don't see everything that everyone else sees. Well, it's hard to work on yourself. It's hard to look at yourself. It's hard to look at the part that you play in things. It's much easier to just like shut that to one side and just go along and, you know, live superficially. To live a true deep emotional, have a deep emotional connection with yourself is hard. And that's it's hard and it takes it. work. It takes work people don't want to do. It's, you know, you, you know that you, everybody has people in their lives that are so like surface that don't, you know, their conversations are about the new bag they just bought or the gossip of somebody else's life. My favorite people are the ones who are like so introspective where they could say that was that was the unhealed me speaking, or that was the toxic me making that decision. I think that is, you know, if we go through life, like without truly knowing ourselves or acknowledging who we are, like what kind of life are we living? I just, it's not for me. No, I, I agree. I, I'm with you. Now tell me, do you recommend, um, after someone gets divorced next second marriage, a prenup? Do you always tell people to get a prenup? I think it's a good idea. Um, on both ends. Listen, even if you don't have a lot of money, you may have a life insurance policy um, that you want only for your children, or you may come into an, uh, some inheritance, even if it's small, from a parent or a grandparent when they pass away, and you want to protect that for yourself and child. So I think it's always good. I mean, you know, we get remarried and we're like, well, this is the best and this is the one and we're never going to get divorced. Well, you probably didn't think that the first time either. So it's always good to protect yourself. The second time around, I think that we're all a little bit more realistic and we're less like living in this fantasy. Like going into my second marriage, I knew I found my soulmate, but I knew, you know, I'm the mother of a little girl now. I got to protect myself. Like we are, we are every man for himself at the end of the day, every woman for herself. And, um, as much as you love someone, you got to really have that notion of self-preservation, like front and center. No, I, I'm with you. I absolutely agree because you never know when the rug could be pulled out from under you. You never know. You honestly never know. And if it's not divorced, you know, listen, illness, we just lived through a pandemic where people were losing people they never expected to lose. It's very sad. Like you just don't know from one day to the next. So always best to protect yourself, especially if there are children involved. It's ab absolutely true. Well, Michelle, this has been so enlightening. I think it's so important. So where could everybody get Moms Moving On? Because this podcast is so great, but everybody has to read the book because there's so much more informative, interesting things in there. And it's like, a, it's a guide. Thank you. Yeah. It's really a guide. It's, so where, where's your book available? It's it's everywhere. It's Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Goodreads. You can order it directly from the Simon and Schuster website. Just type in "Mom's Moving On" book, and it'll come up. Um, it is essentially the what to expect when you're expecting, taking you from the day you decide to end it through the day you decide to go meet somebody else. Everything in between: the legal process, uh, the emotional process, the boundary setting process, how to talk to the people in your life and your children about divorce. There's kind of everything that I needed at that time. Um, and the podcast is Moms Moving On also. My website is momsmovingon.com. And on Instagram, I am at the Michelle Dempsey. Somebody asked me a really, probably a good question. Why do I need your book if I listen to your podcast or follow your Instagram? And I'm like, because if you want the meat and potatoes, it's in the book. Yes. And yeah. And also it's a quick reference guide. 
as yes. well. Yeah, you know, absolutely. It's a, it's a quick reference guide that they get, and it's also a good gift to give to somebody if they're getting divorced, or Thank if they're in a bad, if they're in a bad relationship. Mom's moving on is a great book because you know people, or if they don't want to talk about it with you, or your friends are, you know, suffering in silence. It's a, it's a great book to let them know that you're there and you're thinking of them. Absolutely. And that the information in it, in, in it is evergreen. If you're just going through a divorce and the first 10 chapters help you, great. If a year from now you find yourself moving on with somebody else, you're going to pick it back up again and read the chapters about that. So there's enough in there to, to keep you fed. I just love that it's practical advice too, because everything is so emotional surrounding leaving relationships, but the practical advice is what people really struggle with. So I think this is an amazing, amazing resource for people. Yes, I think it's so good. Try and tailor our questions to yes. you that we ask everybody. Um, I always say my success, you know, because listen, you've created an industry. I always say my success is 50% determination, 50% delusion. Because if I don't believe my own hype, who's going to believe it? Um, so what do you attribute your success to? Like, how would you break it down? I would attribute it to wanting the best for my daughter, wanting to break the cycle I was stuck in as a child. I attribute it to my mom and the example she set for me. Um, and also a, a little bit of delusion. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, okay. Getting a, getting an agent saying, I only want a book deal from a big five publisher. And she was like, yeah, that probably won't happen. Nobody knows who you are. And then it happened because I was delusional. So, you know, you got to have a good. little bit of that. Yes. I, I absolutely. Yeah. I would say you got to believe in yourself, your own hype. Cause if you don't, who else is going to, who else will exactly. And we always ask, what's your most entrepreneurial advice? And like you say, you created an industry. So what would be your most entrepreneurial advice to anyone in a position of like ready to jump? Don't listen to the people who tell you you can't do it. I, if I listened to that, I'd still be, you know, working retail on Long Island and, you know, living a whole different life. I wanted to be my own boss. I wanted to live in Miami. I wanted to do all these things. Everyone thought I was nuts, but yet here I am. So follow your gut. I mean, that's that's where all good stories start in your gut. I know that is that's no, that's per, that's perfect advice because it's true. It's like you got divorced at such a young age, and you reinvented yourself and created a beautiful life for yourself, and you're helping other women do the same, which is so important mm -hmm. because at mm -hmm. the most vulnerable time in their life, getting divorced, where women are so. I don't care what you say, no matter how strong you are, you feel very broken because I was very strong. I was in an amazing financial position. I was very blessed. My business was doing great. I had a great man, but I was still feeling very broken. I mean, I would just you break feel down. like you failed. You it feel like you failed. Many yes. How many people spin it a different way? There's always an element that you feel. Yeah. Like and you, you really help pick women up, which is so inspiring. Yeah. So we have what? one last question also. So what was your big girl panty moment that like stands out to you where it was sink or swim? Um, I have two. So I, I'm from New York. I only moved to Miami 10 years ago and I was living this like life of having a great time, partying, whatever, toxic relationship after toxic relationship. And I was physically coming out of a relation, relationship 10 years ago, left his house Driving back to my apartment, I got into a head-on collision, mm. um, broke almost everything from the neck down. And that for me was a moment of, 
bitch, you got to stop doing this. Like I was physically like leaving him, like I'm done with you. And I left his house and had this car accident and I was like, something's got to change. So that was, that was wake up call number one when I decided I needed a new life and I left New York and I came down to Miami. And then my second was when I met my daughter, I held her and I looked at her and I was like, Oh girl, you deserve better. I was, I was the most toxic version of myself in my marriage. The marriage was toxic because of that. And that was my second, my second moment. That's wow. That's amazing. Those are two beautiful, you know, two beautiful, you know, you met your daughter and you knew that you deserve better. So good. And you want to make a better life for her. So that's beautiful. That really is. That's so, that's so inspiring. I think it's, it is all about paying it forward to your kids at the end of the day and showing them what they deserve. Exactly. And and it's important. And I think a lot of women, I think what would make, make it easier for them to get divorced is to realize that their kids shouldn't see toxic relationships and, and should see that they deserve better. I, I, I pump that narrative all day, every day. Yep. If it weren't for my mom doing what she did, she was an immigrant to this country, didn't have a support system, but said, screw it, and left a really good financial situation and was just not gonna be treated like shit. Like if it weren't for her, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. And and that's that's, you know, it's because she chose something healthy over something safe. I know, which that's important. That's important. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. Follow Michelle. Bye guys. Michelle was great. Such good advice for anyone in any toxic situation. Yes, anybody, listen, if you're leaving a toxic friendship, shame and guilt is totally different, which I always say I'm guilty. I never say I'm shame. You know what? But shame is something that gets instilled in us if you go against social norms. So by the way, People don't have shame and guilt is only if you're going to jail. So exactly. Let's change our vocabulary. Yeah, let's stop with the shame. Let's stop with taking on that personal shame. Yes. And I think she has such great advice. I really really did about women who are anybody, women, men getting divorced, co-parenting, leaving any toxic relationship, a job. It applies to any bad relationship. Yeah. I mean, the, the components are the same. Not having good boundaries. Yes not having self-confidence and being and operating to please other people. Those are things that will never put, get you in a good shape. Do you no, know and I mean? also putting in, not worrying about your own happiness and everybody, you don't, you know, you need a happy mommy also, a happy parent yeah, what's when in divorce. What's a good piece of advice? It's like being on the plane. If you don't put your own meds on first, you can't help anybody else. Exactly. If, you I, if you're not happy yourself, you can't help anyone else. Be You're happy. not the best version of yourself. So yes. people, I just want you to take that away. Um, follow Michelle. Follow Michelle. Mom's Moving On podcast. Mom's Moving On on Instagram. And the and, book. And the book. Give it to a friend who's in any toxic relationship. It's amazing. Anybody you know who's getting divorced, it's a great gift. So hope you enjoyed today's podcast. It's a new year, new you. You know, it's, I'm still calling it the new year, February. We're only, you know, a month in. That's so, I know. It um, feels like a new year. Yeah. Follow me, the Modge, at uh, The Real Margaret Josephs, our podcast, Caviar Dreams, Tuna Fish Budget. New episodes every other Wednesday. Yes. And follow Lexi, The Life of Mrs. B. Keep dreaming, guys. Keep dreaming. I don't want to